everybody. What is going on? You know what time it is. You're listening to Join the Journey podcast with your host, Emma Daughter. Thanks for joining. Today we are in 1 Samuel 6 and 7. But before we dive in, by way of reminder, it's a Friday, which means there's a new episode of Join the Journey Jr. out. It's the podcast, Join the Journey, or the Journey for Kids, Journey Jr. You don't want to miss it. They are covering... The same story as we are, the Philistines and the Ark. So be sure to check that out if you've got little ones. But all that said, I am in the podcast studio with a faithful Watermark staff member, Ethan Howard. Hey, everyone. Ethan, it's good to have you here. It's really good to be here. You've sat on the other side of the mic Mm -hmm. helping with edit notes back when you were in the Institute. But now you're here guesting on the podcast. So tell us just a little, who are you? What do you do? Thanks, Emma. Hey, everyone. Really excited to be here. Kind of a little short summary of my story is just growing up, I very much uh, just kind of taught myself through different events like, man, you know what? I just don't think that I can be loved. And so kind of what I went through a progression of was, all right, if I cannot be loved, maybe I can at least be good. Hmm. And so then always just trying to perform, grew up going to a Christian school in the area, and I got really good at putting on a show. And internally, there's just a lot (laughs) else going on. (laughs) Sure. And uh, eventually figure out, like, okay, yeah, know what? I'm not good. Um, There's just this, there's this darkness kind of within me, just had different, just like, like, I mean, as I said earlier, just like not an understanding of me being loved. And so just like self-hatred mm-hmm. and got to a point of just deep depression and suicidal ideation and then got to a point of being like, all right, going off into college cannot be good. Um, maybe I could at least have some fun. Mm. And so went completely into to that realm. And by God's grace, about halfway through college, he just I just felt the emptiness of it. I was like, okay, there's actually nothing good going on here. And actually through, I would say, a a community of God's people, that was where he first showed to me his love for me. Mm. And so I'm just really grateful for that. And I was down at a church in Waco, Harris Creek, if you're familiar with it. Shout out. And went through regeneration as their pilot program down there. And then came up to Dallas, came back to Dallas, because I was kind of involved in Watermark student ministry growing up. And uh, then went in head and joined the Watermark Institute, and then uh, got hired on the full-time staff, and then about a few months ago just transitioned over to the Regen team, which is just a really, really it's kind dear of full circle. ministry to me, and really, really just love Monday nights, the rest of the week, uh, just truly um, just looking at what is biblical sanctification. And for those who don't live in Dallas or maybe don't know what regeneration is, give us the 30-second the sales pitch. Yeah. Regeneration, something that we kind of use a phrase is like anyone can come to figure out their their hurts, habits, hangups, and understand how Christ meets them there. Hmm. And not only meets them there, but actually wants to transform their lives. Sometimes not in ways that they're expecting, uh, but <laughs> always to, to glorify him. It's awesome. I love it. Thanks for sharing, Ethan. I didn't know a lot about you, so it's fun to get to know you a little yeah. bit better. We are in 1 Samuel 6 and 7. You got two chapters. What are we looking at? What's going on? Yeah, that's that's a very, very <laughs> fair question. So obviously, we are entering into the middle of the book in chapter 6, so context is always helpful. And yes, even, amen. Even within the book, there are books that come before 1 Samuel. So even we need to understand where the nation of Israel is at. We saw at the end of, of Judges that 
pretty much there was no king and mm-hmm. everyone was doing was right in their own eyes. And we saw the spiritual depravity of what comes from that without an understanding of who God is and what it looks like to have spiritual leadership. And we see context of Ruth, which is in between Judges and First Samuel, that we still have hope. There's still this hope of a future David that's going to come uh, that was promised in 2 Samuel 7. So even in the context now shifting into 1 Samuel, uh, we, we know that judges were not working out. And we see in the first couple chapters that now the priesthood of Israel has become corrupt and its leadership eventually ends up with the Israelites dishonoring God because they don't understand who he is. Sure. And they're getting to a a point that they try to use and manipulate God Mm -hmm. by using the Ark of the Covenant, which signified his presence against the nation of Philistines. Could you, yeah, Yeah. so the Ark of the Covenant signifies his presence. Mm -hmm. Could you give us two sentences more on the importance of the Ark, kind of what it was? Yeah, the the Ark was the the central um, monument that was involved in the Levitical sacrifice system, uh, all to pretty much understand what it would look like to live in a communion aspect of God and understanding through uh, sacrifices of sin and guilt offerings, as well as thanksgiving offerings, peace offerings, just the joy of actually being able to commune with God and Him be the center of their lives. Awesome. Love it. Uh, If you are looking for a refresher on the Ark of the Covenant, we will link the Exodus episode in today's episode description. But all that said, I'm going to let you keep going. Yeah, yeah. So pretty much what they tried to do is use the Ark as a means to uh, pretty much overcome the Philistines, and God God knows people's hearts. So he's, he's not trying to be manipulated. They're like, hey, if we put the Ark in this specific spot, things are going to go better for us? Yeah, or, they're, they're just trying to use it in like? battle, and then eventually they are— um, it's at a point that the Philistines win because God is not going to just be with them as they're trying to manipulate God. And so the Ark of the Covenant with the nation of Israel is actually now with another people group that God has not made a covenant with. Mm. So that doesn't really make much sense. No, that doesn't add up Uh at all. And so we eventually see uh, that the Philistines learn that God, the Lord, has supremacy over their God, Dagon, and they acknowledge they should not harden their hearts like the the Egyptians, but they also are still trying to manipulate God. Mm-hmm. And so that's when we enter into chapter six, after uh, the people had uh, been afflicted with those that did even not die, they had been struck with tumors. And we can see from the context of chapter six, verse five, it seemed like mice were ravaging the land as well. Mm. And so in chapter six, we figure out, it gets to the situation where they got themselves into, and they're trying to get out of it. And so they're sending the, the ark back to uh, to the nation of Israel. And their religious leaders pretty much just suggest, hey, we need to offer a guilt offering. Yeah. We don't know this, God, but we got to give them something. We know that we've done something yeah, wrong. We yeah, gotta, because we gotta make it ancient right. religious pr- protocol pretty much mandated that worship came, like people had to approach God's with something to give them. They could not come empty-handed. And so they were like, all right, let's fashion these these golden mice, golden tumors as a way, uh, these five golden mice and these five golden tumors, because that was a way to cover the main mm. five cities of the nation of Philistine of the Philistines. And so they they truly, they do not understand God. They also think that they can manipulate him. The ark eventually arrives back with the Israelites, but it's even clear by the end of chapter six that they have not even learned their lesson. They are trying to look into the ark. They are not respecting God. They are not fearing him. And eventually it leads to about 70 men who are killed. Wow. 
And then we transition in chapter seven. We see that Samuel was made judge. Uh, he, he is a righteous man, but it, it pretty much leaves us with the question, though. But we've already seen what happens with the judges. Nothing good is coming out right. of that. I mean, there can be prosperity, but mm-hmm. it's only going to last as long as this leader is alive. Is alive. That, that's not fixing anything. That's just futile. And so we're still left with a problem here. And it just kind of gets to the point of asking, all right, what, how does God address that? How does the nation of Israel address that? Yeah, so if you just jumped in to read First Samuel with us and you didn't read Judges, the plot line is this. Israel sins, God disciplines them by sending nations to, go, to conquer them, to trouble them. The people cry out to God for help. He raises up a judge. As, for as long as the judge is living, things go well. But as soon as the judge dies, the Israelites return right back to their sinful yep. ways. So yep. we see Samuel, he's going to be the last judge. But we know Israel's been living in this pattern, Mm -hmm. which, as you said, raises a big problem. Um, Their hearts have not been changed. What's the significance of that problem? Their hearts have not been changed whatsoever, even though God has called them to be a kingdom of priests to the outside nations and through the Abrahamic covenant are called to be a blessing to all the other nations. But actually, we can see in this story that they have become a hindrance Mm. to other nations. They, totally. Because of their misunderstanding and, and attempted manipulation of God, it leads to another nation that has not received the same revelation from God. And so they're obviously going to keep going in their ways. Right. They, they are not actually being blessed by Israel. They have been hindered by mm-hmm. Israel. And so we get to this, this problem and understanding that, okay, like, what is God going to do about this? And it just makes us better understand that is so much more why we need Jesus. Mm. And he actually came through the, his life, death, burial, and resurrection, specifically his death, he brought, he brings about a new covenant by his blood that actually allows people's hearts to be changed. Yeah. That is the need that we have here. And so through Jesus, God's people eventually become a blessing to all the other nations because we can have disciples of all nations. And so God's people finally become this kingdom of priests a holy nation, a people for his own possession that 1 Peter 2, 9 says. So good. And this is just another example to present the problem we desperately needed Jesus to solve. And unlike the ancient uh, Eastern understanding, we actually come to God acknowledging we are empty-handed and accepting what he has brought about in the way that he came to save us. It's so good, Ethan. We come to God empty-handed, and that's what the people in the story were getting wrong. And that's what we always get wrong. That's what we get wrong in and of ourselves. Every but day. God steps in. He does. Praise him for that. He loves us dearly. We're out of time. It's yeah, a, we are. <laughs> it's a good reminder to end on, though. Yeah. Ethan, thank you for being here. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. Hey, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. Did you know that you can help support Join the Journey by rating and reviewing this podcast? And if you're willing, we'd love it if you subscribe, because the more you download, the easier it will be for new friends to find the podcast.